Welcome to the Making a Free Podcast. I'm James Johnson. I'm a former world-class athlete who competed at the highest levels within Greco-Roman wrestling. So it was a natural transition for me to become a coach, where I now tutor some of America's premier athletes with an eye on the Summer Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. Joining me on the podcast is my good friend and 586 returning brother, John Harris, who just happened to be one of the best sports journalists in the USA. Welcome to the Making of Three podcast. Thanks, JJ. Today, we're going to explore the origins of the Making of Three podcast. What is the Making of Three? For starters, you won a total of three matches your junior year at D.H. Conley High School in North Carolina. Walk me through your senior year. My senior year, John, was a year with great anticipation. You know, I was had did all the work in the summer, going to the top of the world sports camp, training with Doug Blueball, Oshiro Ishii from Japan to help me out, plus, you know, numerous people. And so coming back into that year of my senior year, I knew that I was going to wrestle up a weight class at 185. I was probably about 10 pounds smaller. I didn't want to cut down to the smaller weight. And I had a game plan. My game plan wasn't to go undefeated. My game plan was to become my high school first state champion. And no matter what it took, that I would do that. So everything considered, everything that you went through to get to the pinnacle, you know, how did it, at the end of it, when you reached that goal, how did it feel to be your school's first state champion? And, and, and on top of that now, how does it feel when you go back to your high school and you see yourself in a trophy case? How many memories is that rekindled? You know, when I won at Parkland High School in, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, uh, it was a tremendous feeling. I remember going out doing an arm drag and my guys always joke with me today because they said, pummel, 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 arm drag. And I've used that arm drag over and over again. You know, I've won championships with it. But, you know, as a kid in high school, I hit arm drag to a double. And I was a cradle guy. And I cradle guy. And I won in a minute and 19 seconds. And history was set in stone. I remember my coach jumping up. He was excited. My teammates were jumping up. And fans from Conley went, everybody was going crazy. And in my mind, I was just standing around. I said, wow, I'm a state champion. I hadn't thought about that I was my high school first state champion. And, and actually, just asked me that question and sent chills over me. And, you know, to relive that moment in my life, it was incredible. So when I go back to my high school, you know, you know, today, I uh, see a lot of you know students by the trophy case. And, you know, my nieces that went there, my nephews and they often ask me questions. I've had some really tremendous athletes in my family following my footsteps. And a lot of them, you know, the kids in our community, they said just seeing me in the trophy case has motivated them to do better. And so, and I tell you, the highlight of seeing yourself in the trophy case was two years ago, I took my, uh, my daughter and my son to my high school. And they saw me in the trophy case and they went crazy. Because, oh my God, that's my father. You're in the trophy case, and and we laughed, you know, and 
and I just explained to them, Isabella said, Dad, you know, you're the first, you know, and I'm proud of you, Poppy. And, you know, it brought tears to my eyes that, you know, at, even at their age, you know, they understood the magnificent of something, you know, that that you've accomplished in your life. And I, I see people at my school, you know, the principals and the students that I share with them about, you know, desire, determination, dedication, staying focused and having the mindset to achieve your goals and, and stay in the course, but more so is about counting your blessing and discipline. What does it feel like, man? I mean, to have an award named after you? The James Johnson Wrestling Award. I mean, that's that's got to really feel pretty special to you. That <laughs> I tell you, you know, when they talk to me about naming, you know, an award after me, you know, the James Johnson uh, Outstanding Wrestling Award for East of North Carolina, and it's been over twenty some years now, and and I've gotten to talk to everyone and the recipient of the award, and I've followed their success. And uh, one guy who's really special to me, his name is Raymond Jordan. He's from Newburn, North Carolina. And I remember I presented an award to him and, you know, I got to help coach him and talk through to him when he was winning the Pan Am uh, Championship at the Olympic Training Center, which is ironic is where I won my first Pan Am Championship also. And we talked about it because we have a special bond and we talk. Then the young man that just won this year, I talked to him. And um, he became All-American out at the Junior Nationals in Fargo that just concluded, you know. And just, you know, having an award named after you, I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people that have awards and different things named after them, but I could have never in my imagination, you know, imagine, you know, an award or anything named after me. I was just in the sport just to win and just to be a good teammate and just to be a good leader and, and a lot of great things have come from it, and I'm really blessed. But I'm more blessed with all the people that helped make it possible in my life, my families, my brothers, my teammates, and, you know, the peoples in North Carolina. They all know who they are, you know, and uh, I don't listen to nice airs. Or I listen to those people that are very positive to me, and I have some really dear, dear friends in North Carolina, and we always laugh and joke about those things, you know, and it's how I it's a shout out to everyone who's helped me. I'm just thankful for all of you for making it possible. So for all of you listeners that are wondering about this name, the Making of Three podcast, think about this for a minute. James Johnson, JJ, goes from three wins in a season, being unrecruited by colleges, to earning a full scholarship from the University of Kentucky and going on. And then after college, competing 12 years internationally, you talk about a motivational story, one that, you know, I'm sure is inspirational to maybe some of the the wrestlers that you coach now, man. I mean, looking back on that, it is quite a success story. One of perseverance, you know, never giving up, believing in yourself and doing whatever it takes to get better. Yeah, it, it is. You know, perseverance definitely is the key to success in life, in the arena and out of the arena. It doesn't, doesn't matter what color you are, what sex or gender you are, where you're from. It's about, you know, your desire, your determination, your dedication, your mindset, and overcoming a lot of obstacles in your life. Because let me tell you, the road to success is not straight. Sometimes it's going to be 
upside down, to a little to the left, a little to the right. And I remember my grandfather always told me, he said, when you hit a, on a bump in the road and you're standing at that wall, he said, either take a step to the left, a step to the right, or inch forward. He said, never take a step backwards. It separates you farther from your goals. And so I'm just here to tell you, you know, all the young athletes or people that are out there listen. It doesn't have to be in sports. It could be in a lot of things in your life. And, you know, in order, you know, to get there, that that pinnacle, you got to keep pushing yourself. And you can't have it all. You have to give up a lot of things. I made a lot of sacrifices. And, you know, being involved in the sport, I've seen the good, the ugly, the bad, and the difference all over the world. And I've seen incredible athletes run their lives. And I've seen athletes that weren't incredible become great success stories. And, you know, it's a matter of just who you are and what your desires are and what you want to achieve in life. So how have those experiences transpired to help you in coaching? You know, how have you utilized that as you move forward to becoming a coach and working, uh, particularly working with juniors and seniors and some of the U23s? You know, I, I look back on, on my uh, my career and I use three. I always tell people I'm three guy. You know, it's by no means necessary that I don't have any confidence in myself. It's that, you know, I use three as a reminder of where I came from. You know, it's kind of like, you know, my rock. And um, I know what it felt like when I won those three matches, how people treated me. And people are so kind to people when they're not successful. And it's not just in wrestling. It's a lot of things in life. And But I remember all those people who believed in me. You know, who were there for me, my mother, my grandfather, PJ, my brother. He was always pushing me. He was funny, but, you know, he pushed me. You know, he's my best, you know, teammate, you know, and and we we, we pushed each other, you know, a lot, you know. And I'm thankful for all those guys that was on that team and, you know, the coaches at the surrounding schools that, you know, spoke to me. And our, our arch rival was Rose High, but we had a guy there, his name was Ron Williams, incredible coach, you know. He was the only black coach in the area at that time. And, and you know, he had told me one time, you wish that, you know, I was at Rose, but there were our rivalries and, you know, and, and we we talked. And then, you know, the coach at North Pitt, Roger Ingalls, he was from New York and he would sit up a dual meet with the Swedish junior national team my senior year. And I competed in that. But all those opportunities from Doug Blue Ball to, you know, Oshiro Ishii, uh, Frank Rado, who was the chairman of the uh, North Carolina at that time and just a lot of people there, you know, that reached out and they helped me, you know, and and I think, you know, when I talk to my my athletes, I tell them it doesn't matter where you start at out. It's your end game, how you finish. You know, you don't listen to the narratives, don't listen to the crowds. They focus on your game when you walk into the arena. You gotta push yourself, you gotta make sacrifices because it's very important. No one's gonna give you anything. Nothing is owed to you. You know, there are two things that, you know, you can come to the arena with or in life, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, your imagination. But I tell them, don't let your opinion, your imagination get you in trouble if you're not prepared for what's about to happen out on that mat for the next six minutes. Yeah, exactly. Don't write a check. Your butt can't cash. So Junior Nationals concluded last week in Fargo, North Dakota. You finished third in Junior Nationals. And, and in doing so, you became the first North Carolina junior medalist in the state. Man, dude, I didn't even know all that stuff about you. It's, you're something else. Um, but 
getting back on course here. What goes through your head when you're talking, coaching those individuals that are competing in junior nationals, kind of going back over some of the things that you went through? What are you able to give them and instill in them? You know, especially coming from North Carolina, I've had the opportunity to work with the North Carolina junior team, you know, back in the day, the Arizona team. And, you know, a lot of athletes from around the countries that are juniors, I talked to them, you know, served them, they were competing, they did exceptionally well. And I just tell them, it doesn't matter where you're from, you just go out there and you got to put it all on the line. You know, I said, Russell, every match like is your last match. And I said, you got to aim for the, for the top of the podium. Don't go to the junior national and say, I want a place, because then you're doubting yourself. Go to the junior national and say, I want to win the junior national. And then whatever happened, what happened? And so you got to have that mindset that you're, you're just as good as everybody else. And there's a lot, you know, a lot of incredible athletes that are competing at, at the junior nationals every year. It's like a recruiting mecca for all the colleges and stuff. You know, they're looking for that undiscovered gym and they're looking at athletes they're recruiting and, and you know, they're loading up because, you know, Russell in college is very serious and you don't know who's going to be the next NCAA champion coming out of there, the next Pan Am champion, the world champion, Olympic champion, and we've all come out of that pool. So hopefully we've been able to solve the mystery of the name of the podcast, The Making of Three. I think we've explained it very well. We have the origins of it. Uh, we understand what has driven James Johnson to reach the heights that he did, but it all started with very humble beginnings that he used his motivation to become one of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners. We couldn't do it without you guys. Um, thank you so much for listening, and please come back and check us out on our next broadcast of Making a Three podcast. Our broadcast is made possible by you guys, our listeners. We couldn't do it without you. I'll say it again and again. Join us next time for another Making of Three podcasts with James Johnson and John Harris. The podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and CastBox. Welcome to the Making of Three podcast. I'm James Johnson. Some of my friends know me as JJ. I'm a former world-class athlete who competed at the highest levels in Greco-Roman wrestling. So it was a natural transition for me to become a coach where I now tutor some of America's premier wrestlers with an eye on the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. Joining me on the podcast is my good friend and Phi Beta Sigma fraternity brother, John Harris, who just happened to be one of the best sports journalists in the country. Welcome to the Making of Three podcast. JJ, Joel Lo Noel Loban won a national championship at Clemson in 1980 in becoming the first national champion in individual sport in school history. Four years later, Noel won a bronze medal for England at the 1984 Games in Los Angeles. He is the last Olympic medalist in wrestling for Great Britain. Noel currently works with North Carolina State's wrestling program as a director of student athlete development, where he serves as a consultant on nutrition and strength and conditioning. 
Welcome to the Making the Three podcast, Noah. Hey, thanks, John. Appreciate it. JJ, I know this is your cue to uh, jump in here and just you two good friends talking wrestling, and I'm going to listen, add a little bit when I can, but it's all up to you guys. No, my my question is to you is, you know, you said it to me in a, in a previous conversation we were having, that you never wanted tournament in high school. How do you get started in high school wrestling in New York City? Man, I got into wrestling. Um, a lot of friends that I had, I'd see them use wrestling on the street when we'd get into little tussles. And... Um, it was a totally new thing for me because, uh, you know, first these guys would start off boxing. Before you know it, they're on the ground tussling, but they knew what they were doing. And so, um, and and I hadn't known of wrestling as far as growing up in high school or growing up in school in England. They didn't, they didn't really have it. It wasn't very common. Um, but it was something that I had a number of these guys um, when I was in junior high who wrestled and they were pretty good. And um, they, I, I saw that they could handle themselves on the street. And so I wanted to be able to do that. Handle themselves on the street. And why would that be? Oh, goodness. Um, I, was, I was quite mischievous growing up. And, um, you know, so trouble was always nearby. And um, being able to handle myself in the street would have come in quite handy. And, uh, you know, the rest, I'll let you use your imagination. <laughs> My question is, you became you know, the first national champion at Clemson for any sport. Mm. And not only just for wrestling, but, you know, just in the history, of, you know, first African-American. Tell me about that moment and, and what was it like for you when you won and you realized that as an athlete and as a person and the effects that it had on your life today. Hmm. Um, You know, when I went to Clemson, because it was the first time they ever had a Division I program. And um, matter of fact, the intramural team previous had petitioned to get a Division I program there. And the school decided to go for it and they ended up getting Wade Chalice to, to be the head coach down there. And, and, um, he invited me to come down for a visit. And, um, the one reason I, I wanted to go down there is because I thought, wow, it'd be great to, you know, uh, you're at a new school, doesn't have any legacy of anything like that as far as wrestling goes. And it'd be nice to, you know, on a blank canvas, maybe make some history. And, um, so um, that was always my goal, you know, my dream to, to do something, you know, memorable. And, and so it was great, you know. Um, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't know until after maybe a week or two after, maybe a week or two after winning nationals that I was the first um, national champ in any sport. You know, I knew, obviously, I knew it was going to be, um, I'd be the first one in wrestling, but I didn't know it was going to be any sport. And, um, as you see, as you know now, you know, Clemson has quite a reputation when it comes to um, their football. And um, they've had a, a number of national championships now in football. But it is nice to, to know that uh, I was the first 
in any sport to uh, be there first. So, a little history. So, so, is, so is we can say that you're Mr. Clemson. You are the first one. It's a record that will never be broken. It's a great honor, you know, um, as an individual, as a person. And I'm glad that happened for you because you're an incredible individual. You know, we got to train together on your road to uh, London. You know, explain your journey and how did it feel when the bronze medal at the 1984 Olympics in uh, London, in uh, Los Angeles? Wow. Yeah. The, you know, in, in 80, you know, the Olympics was going to be in, in Moscow. And um, so I was going to try and make the, the British team. And uh, there was a lot of Western countries that boycotted the Olympics, if you remember. And so Wade, my coach in college, my, my, um, he was trying to get me on the British team. And at that time, they didn't want to have nothing to do with me for, for whatever reason. They, you know, um, they, they had had some bad history, I guess, with um, the, the, um, the people in, in the controlling bodies. And they didn't, they didn't, um, they, yeah, they had some issues. I, I, it wasn't explained to me, but um, anyway, so they didn't want to, they, they didn't want to touch me with a, you know, with a, yeah, they just didn't want to have anything to do with me, which was a bit unfortunate. So I ended up going over there in, in about three years later. I went over there, in, actually, I went over there in 82, um, and I was trying to go to one of their uh, national training camps. Um, they invited me up to Manchester. That's where kind of all the wrestling was done at that time. I went up there for a visit. I hadn't been on the map for about six, maybe six, seven months. So uh, I went up to their training camp. I was just going to observe. I didn't have any wrestling shoes or nothing. And so um, somehow they kind of, you know, wanted me to show what I could do and get on the mat with them. So it was almost like this King of the Hill thing. They didn't tell me about it. It was just kind of something that they, you know, I got I got pushed into. So they put me in the middle of the, the, this mat and there's about, I don't know, 30 guys. And pretty much it was like King of the Hill. I had to wrestle everybody. Anybody that wanted to wrestle me could come out and wrestle me. And um, I had just regular sneakers on, a pair of shorts. It looked like basketball shorts. And so I'm just scrapping with these guys, man. They're trying to get a takedown. And, you know, I guess for about an hour, hour, 10 minutes, nobody got a takedown. And I was just having a little, you know, uh, a little session with them, kind of a takedown set clinic with them. So uh, and then after that, I was on the team. You know, there wasn't a lot of conversation it was just a weird thing, man. It was the weirdest experience I've ever been through, you know. So, you know, but um, but I made the team. Uh, I did a lot of traveling throughout Europe and got a lot of experience. I really didn't know much about freestyle, so I kind of learned as I went. But um, I was having a lot of su success with it. Um, right after that, um, goodness. You know, but that was a great thing because I don't think that England realized that Noah Logan was an NCAA champion 
And I knew you had a lot of experience. You had trained with the Sunkiss Wrestling Club out in out in uh, Phoenix right. with us. And then you went you went to Canada to train prior to the Olympics in um, in Los Angeles. But you know, I have a question. A week before, you had a, a hump in the road, a bump, you know, whatever you want to call yeah. it. You had to go back to England across the transatlantic to pick up your gear a week before a major you know, championship. What was that like? And kind of go, walk us through that a little bit. What was going through your mind when they said, you got to come back? I know Sebastian Cole and Daly Thompson were in the United States training, and they didn't have to go back to pick up their yeah. gear. But Noah Logan had to. Yeah, I was, um, I was, I was irate. Um, the whole situation, I got a call from the Wrestling Federation. They told me that I needed to be back in London at, at a certain time. And if I wasn't there in maybe 70, um, 72 hours or whatever, but if I wasn't there to pick up my gear, um, I would no longer be uh, uh, on the team. And uh, I did, I tried to persuade, convince that I was on the West Coast already, that it would be a waste of time to fly over there. They said I needed to pick up my gear. I figured anybody could pick up my gear. Uh, also, it was customized. I mean, it was my measurements and, you know, it was t- all tailored to me. So it's not like they were going to, um, you know, do another uh, do another measurement if something didn't fit. You know, it's either going to be too tight or too small or whatever. But, um, you know, there's no way they were going to make any uh, alterations. So, I mean, anybody could have brought it over. So, anyway, they told me, you know, they... they they told me I needed to be there at a certain time and I couldn't argue, I couldn't do anything about it. So I had some friends, I had a matter of fact, my roommate from college at Clemson, a guy named Matt Grocott, he, um, he purchased a ticket for me in, in, Fran- in San Francisco. I flew from um, Vancouver down to San Francisco and flew over to London and um, and then a few days later, with the whole uh, contingent, I, I flew with the team to um, to to LA. But uh, it was such a waste of time. And and I mean, when I heard that, and I couldn't do nothing about it. And I was in in I was in Canada at the time. I heard the news. There was nothing I could do. I had to be there in three days. Man, I was I was I was I lost it, man. I mean, I was crying. I was. Ugh. I was picking stuff up. I mean, I just totally lost it, man. I had to really kind of compose myself and and figure out what am I going to do at this moment in time because I only had enough money to fly from Canada to L.A. at that moment in time. But everything worked out. Everything did work out. You know. No, this is John. I'm going to jump well, in for a second. Work. How did you keep your composure that week and go in there and win a bronze? How were you able to, on the on the greatest, grandest stage, how were you able to do that? Well, once I was there, I was fine. It's just that, you know, I felt like all this traveling I had done, I, uh, you know, I was working two jobs. I averaged about three or four hours of, uh, of sleep a, a night. Um, um, you know, so 
Yeah, I had two jobs. I had two full-time jobs that I worked. And so I saved that money and then I used that money to travel and what have you. So I felt like all all this all this sacrifice was going to come to naught all because of some silly rule that they made up. And so, but once I got to the, to the games, um, that's where, that's where I planned to be. That's what I, where I wanted to be. And so, um, everything worked out. Um, I didn't have a great relationship with obviously the, the, um, governing boards and the head and the coach, cause they didn't come to, uh, come to bat with it. They didn't come to bat. For, for me and um, and so I felt very very alienated but as far as my goals uh, my plans my ambitions I was at the place where I wanted to be and I needed to be and so um, I was not going to let anything get in the way of that so you know I was good I was good I had a smile on my face and I felt great um, I, I was I, I was peaked for you know for the competition so um, I was ready to go Well, you know, they say wrestlers have a mental mindset that's like a steel trap. And I know you, you get to the uh, Summer Olympics and, you know, you win a bronze medal there and, you know, become the first you know African-American to win a medal for England. And, you know, and the last medals that I, that I had in wrestling and it jump started your career in a different way. Now you're in North Carolina, my home yeah. state, you know, Raleigh, yeah. you know, I grew up in Greenville and so you're doing a tremendous job there and you know I'm I'm very honored you know and then you got inducted into the Hall of Fame at Clemson for wrestling the first wrestler there we share a, a, a common feat because I became the first wrestler inducted into the Hall of Fame at the University of mm. Kentucky uh, how did that moment define you going to the Hall of Fame at Clemson? Mm-hmm. Hey, that, was, that was a funny story with that I'd come over to, to um, the U.S. And was living in DC area in the in Virginia, and I don't. And I I, I probably spoke to a, a roommate or a teammate here and there, but they had um they set they set me up. Um, they invited me to come down to a reunion um, down at Clemson, and I thought it was just going to be a bunch of guys. We were just going to be there, blah blah blah, and. Um, but apparently they had set this big thing up to have a, um, because they had already inducted me into the Hall of Fame, but I guess with me being there now, they were making it a little more official. So it was more of a kind of a private thing, but very, very enjoyable. My wife was down there, my kids were down there. Um, they invited us onto the onto the football field, made the big, big announcement. Um, so it was a very touching thing because, you know, these guys really bent over backwards to make this, you know, um, come to fruition. So um, it, it was very, very nice. Very, uh, very, it was a big surprise, but, a, you know, very, um, uh, you know, very memorable. That is awesome. You know, I know, you know, the Hall of Fame is a great honor for any athlete, man or woman, going into the, you know, to the university. And, you know, I just want to thank you for being on the, the Making a Three podcast and sharing your throat your story you know I always say about the sport of wrestling you know when I was in North Carolina that you know our no quit mentality is beyond most people's imagination and you have that and and, you know and you know it was a blessing you know it was an honor because you created history not only at Clemson but for England and 
your family got to see you go into the Hall yeah. of Fame and you know uh, you know this is an awesome yeah. moment you know in life for any athlete in sure, sure. yeah um, yeah um, it's got some wonderful memories I mean uh, people often ask me even about the Olympics you know what was the Olympics like and uh, unless you've been there there's not much I mean there's too much there's so much um, that, that's going through your mind you know it lives up to all your the all, all your imaginations obviously but um, it's an exciting thing to see uh, great athletes and other sports that you've either read about or seen on TV and then you know, you see that when you're having breakfast, you're across from them or they're in the next table and, and you're making conversations and making friends with a lot of these different athletes. And so, uh, yeah, it's a tremendous, um, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm an avid uh, sports fan. doesn't matter what the sport is. Um, you know, um, I, I just enjoy sports. You know, my kids, um, everybody will tell you, man, they, I, I love sports. And so, um, and, and I love what people do, you know, um, you know, the effort, um, the amount of sacrifice to, to accomplish your dreams. And, um, you know, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So, well, well, no, those, those memories, those Olympic memories should be coming rushing back again next year. With next the, year, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, kind of fast. Yeah, so you know, I'll be sitting in front of my TV all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, I will be coaching an Olympic champion next summer. You know, we have an outstanding wrestling, Tracy Hancock, and I think he has the ability to win the Olympics. And so, you know, he's in the same weight class that we were in. So, let's cheer him on you know. for being a part of it. And, and as always, the Making the Three podcast, the broadcast is made possible by our listeners. We couldn't do it without you guys. And please join us next time for another Making the Three podcast with James Johnson and John Harris. The podcast is available on Anchor and Spotify.